This is episode 74 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. Angela is joining me today to jam about the emotional journey that happens as you're growing and scaling your business. There are a lot of ups and downs, but a lot of times we're not talking about the leader or founder's journey of grief, excitement, freedom, and fear that happens as they start letting go in more and more pieces of the business and start working on the business rather than in the business. This came up because a teammate was um, letting us know she was talking to someone, one of her friends who's a small business owner that's going through it. And so we thought it was a great topic to talk about. So Angela, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. All righty. So you ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Okay, so we're back. As a framework, we're going to start by really discussing Michael Gerber's distinction between working on the business versus working in the business. Now, The E-Myth is a great book. Um, It's a great book because it has you think about your business as a system. Now, what I'll say real quick is if you're not thinking of growing and scaling and maybe franchising your business, there may be pieces of it that doesn't really resonate with you. But this whole idea of growing from a technician to a manager um, and so on is, is a really important journey to think about as is your growth as a, um, entrepreneur, small business owner or founder. Um, so we're going to start with that. And, um, when we think about it, one of the things that happens is as you start growing your business and delegating, like there's this pathway that happens and like, first off, people start by really letting go of all the stuff they really don't want to be doing, bookkeeping and, you know, administrative data and things like that. That's really the first thing to go in so many people's business about growing their business and and letting it go. Yeah, I've loved letting go of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so you might be wondering, like, what's all this fear and grief about letting go of the bookkeeping or those things you hate? There's really not none there. There's really none there except for one thing that happens is people start doing that, though, is they start worrying about, like, if I'm spending this money to uh, pay someone else to do that, where's this excess money going to come from, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think that's one of the reasons we hold on to so much as a bootstrapper and as a founder is because we're only looking at the hard cost, the expenses of paying someone else when we start thinking about delegation and we start thinking about bringing people on. We're not looking at the soft cost of our own billable hours, our own things that we can do in the business. And the fact that if you sit there and you do a $20 an hour job for four hours, mm-hmm. well, you could have paid someone to make, you could have paid someone $80, you know, plus the overhead mm-hmm. to do that. And you have to think about what could you have been doing in your business to create an excess value of $80 plus that overhead piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what we forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to lose sight of that. It really is. Especially, um, you know, when you've you've founded the business and you've been in it for years and growing it and you've found a way to make it work where it's taking care of you, it's taking care of your family, um, and that piece has gotten fairly comfortable, you want to make sure you still have that sound, um, you know, nest egg, that cushion, that amount of money to keep taking care of your family. And then you're bringing on other people so you know there's responsibility to take care of them too. So yeah, it can be hard. It can be really hard to let go of that. 
Yeah, and so um, in my book, The Small Business Lifecycle, I'll talk about different stages of business growth. And I mm-hmm. can't not talk about business growth without talking about stages. Um, we'll link up to um, this series that started the book and also the book in the show notes. Um, really, in earlier stage businesses is where you see that fear of where am I going to make up the money? Because they're still validating their business model. Mm-hmm. And we know that early stage businesses, the single most important thing they need to learn how to do is actually market and sell their services or products, right? Yeah. And typically, the people that you're hiring are not salespeople and marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one easy way to think about that is if I spent more time doing the marketing and sales, what would that do for my business? And I understand that if you're in early stage, I just asked a question that you don't like thinking about marketing <laughs> and sales, right? It's the very thing, though, that's going to get you to grow through those earlier stages. Yeah. Um, so we're talked about, you know, the first things that you let go are those things you really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Typically what happens, the second thing people start hiring for are the things that their business isn't getting around to doing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So all the missed opportunities, all the things like, oh, if I was just doing that, then my business would grow, so on and so forth, right? And so that's kind of that second stage. Can you give me an example of that? Um, So I'll use our own example, right? So there there for a while, like we really started following it down with our own social media, right? Um, And it was one of those things where it's like, I I just did not have the amount of time that I would want to spend to do my social media, do it like right in the first place. And it's not that I'm not generating content. It's just that all of the putting it into, you know, um, the different marketing systems and sitting there like it was seriously displacing other deep work that I could be doing. Yeah. Okay. And so we needed to hire someone. It's not that I hate it. I actually like like it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't the most high value thing that I could be doing. Um, for the business. And so that's one of those, like an opportunity out there that we needed to hire someone else to support. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's, I always love examples. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love examples too. I just forget to give them. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of that second stage of um, growing your team and delegation, so on and so forth. Right. And the last hardest stage, and um, it, it comes in really mature businesses, mm-hmm. is when the founder or owner has to let up those last pits that make them the technician, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the thing that they're best at, and that's where things get really, really scary, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, for instance, we're, we're talking about this with um, Joe on our team. Josephine is fantastic. So, um, And she's coming in as an operations coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it so turns out I'm really, really good at that. Yep. Um, and letting that go is super hard because there's so much like, you know, native, there's so much like native excellence in there. There's so much, my genius is tied up into that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that's what I do, right? That's, that's what I do. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, when we've done our own audit for the business, so much of the projects that we're not doing comes down to poor project management and operations coordination. Yeah. Um, I simply like the social media. I don't have time to do it. Um, and I'm really, really good at it. Yeah. Um, but it's that thing, I think, where, um, and that's just my jam. Other people's jam is like something else. But I think as I've worked with clients and as I've sort of worked in my own process, it's like, but like, I do it better. I do it faster. Right. And that's well, like, if I'm not doing it, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, really, that's a BS story. Well, yeah, it is in a lot of ways. And I think about it just for us because there are pieces of it that haven't been happening already because there's only so much that you as a founder can do. Right. But yeah, please say more about that though. Yeah. Um, it's tricky because 
There are several things that go on, right? First, you have to recognize that most of us are buried under the 15-minute task heap. And it's not that single 15-minute task. It's the entire heap of things mm-hmm. that are related to that. So it's just like if you could just get feedback on that one thing and you could just tell someone to do this one thing, right? And you can just like, you know, there's, there's little 15-minute tasks that add up to all of your day in the nits and nats of operations and project management and so on and so forth, which drives a lot of people crazy. I actually like, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't drive me crazy. I'm really good at it. Yeah. Um, except it's not the most high value thing that I could be doing. Right. Yep. Um, none of our clients are paying me to project manage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, none of my clients are paying us for, for that. Like even a lot of ways when it goes to our, the scalable side of the business, like that's not where the value is coming. Yeah. And that's not where, the value being delivered to our readers and listening listeners is not coming from me being you like an operations coordinator and project manager, right? It's coming from me actually sitting down and doing the creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a continual displacement of that. So I'm thinking about this um, and I'm thinking about things that I know have come up for me personally. So I don't want to throw you out there on the spotlight, but we are talking about our own business right now um, and kind of what that's been looking like for you with us bringing on a full-time operations person in our business. And so I guess I'm a little curious about, since this is something that you are so good at, how do you let go of it? Like how, what does that look like? Slowly would be the first thing. Okay. (laughs) And not slowly just because I'm reluctant to give it up, right? But slowly because um, it's the best way to set everybody else up for success, right? Mm. And so um, it's just one of those things to where you can't expect someone to walk in and not having, you know, eight years of experience with the business and the teammates and the context and the projects and just the the native expertise that you have Mm -hmm. in strategy execution. You can't expect someone to pick that up in a month or two. Yeah. Right. Um, we know for someone in sort of that mid managerial level that really it's a six month transition. Mm-hmm. Right. The first three months are largely just figuring out what the business is, what's going on and how the work is currently happening. Mm-hmm. And the follow on three months is where we start to see them owning and managing the current the current business, but also starting to improve the processes Okay. And and take it from that because you have someone that's focused just on that. Yeah. Right? You don't have, you know, a creative hummingbird that's popping from this to that to this to that to this to that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that's the challenge, right? When you're going through a transition in this last stage of team building mm-hmm. is that you have to be patient and know that it's not going to happen um, as fast as if you were doing it full time. Mm hmm. But it's going to be happening a lot faster than you doing it an eighth of the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that there are going to be different ways in which people come in and they have their own expertise and background and the way that they do thing, do things. And it's going to be different than the way that you might have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and be acceptance of that and just saying, like, are we going the direction that I want the company to go? Yeah. Like, is are we putting the points on the board? And I don't care if they're running around, right, in different ways doing it differently than I would do it. Now, obviously... If it's taking a lot longer and costing you more and things like that, you have to be concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the trap. Um, it's so much easier, right? It's so much easier when you're an advisor and you're coaching other people through this. And so, like, it's I think it's easier for me in some ways because it's like I know, like, oh, yeah, this is that place. I know what this is like. Like, I've worked with so many people through this. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels different when it's you, though, right? And so it's yeah. e- both easier and harder because you know better, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, when you, especially when you make a mistake, you're like, ah, rookie move. I know better. But you're like, ah, right. Um, the thing about it is, is that um, for those smaller tasks, and especially things that you can list. So general rule here. If you can list out a workflow or a process, it's probably um, a good sign that you as the founder or small business owner do not need to be doing it. Hmm. Okay. If you say we start here, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where we talk about the core versus supporting task, right? Mm-hmm. So you will have some core tasks that you need to do, and you can insert yourself in step, you know, three of eight. Yeah. But you don't need to do all damn eight of them. Right, all all eight of the steps. So if you can see, if you can list it out in sequential order, what needs to be happening, and you can systematize it to that level, that's probably a good sign that you need that it's that you can move yourself out of that scenario Mm. and hire someone else to do it. Yeah, Um, that's a really good way to think about that. It's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, it can be incredibly frustrating to spend three or four hours to teach someone to do something that you could have done in 15 minutes. Yep. It's infuriating Mm -hmm. in some ways. At the same time, if you're the only person that can do that 15-minute task, if you multiply that over the course of your career, right, the course of you being in business, that's a lot of time. Yeah. You're never going to get rid of that. And you're actually going to make it worse because you're going to get better and better and better at doing that. Mm -hmm. And someone else on the team is still going to be just as ignorant about it. So you're always going to be at the case where it's like, I could do this so much faster than someone else can do it. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? You keep doing it. You're always going to be able to do it faster and ever more faster because you have an efficiency curve. Yeah. Right. And so it's one of those things where sitting down saying, okay, I know this is going to take me an hour or two and I know it's going to take a few tries. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just... You know, that's the thing. It's part of the reason you started the business and you get paid what you get paid. It's because you're a genius at that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're in a small shop or you're, you know, you're just running a solo business. And I say just not to demean solo because I love people who run a solo business. Um, Josh Kaufman comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Runs a great solo business. Um, everything... Let me put it this way. When you're in a solo scenario, um, your decision-making um, procedures a lot of time are different because you don't think of yourself as a different person. It's just something that you get done, right? And when you start that business, so much of the value that you that that you provide is because you are a solo that's able to deliver that value. So you're fast, you're nimble, you're only working with the one person, Right, the product comes directly from that one person, so there's a lot of really good virtue from from that. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to get stuck in that, like holding on to too many 15 minute tasks, holding yeah. on to too much. Yeah. Right. Um, the way I like to think this, especially when I teach, like I teach classes at the Small Business Development Center, so here in Portland, and really the goal is this: like if you could find some particular task in your business or some particular project in your business that would pay you back two hours a week, mm-hmm. and you did that once a week. You just found a way to get that two hours off your plate. Well, after four weeks, you've reclaimed a standard workday. Yeah. What would you do with a standard workday? That's different. Like all those networking events that you say you should be going to. Mm-hmm. Right? All those high value things that you're not doing, the writing, whatever that is. Like that's what you get back. Yeah. Um, And it's just doing that in time. And... 
not doing the thing that as you get your creative energy back, mm-hmm. that you make new messes in the business for somebody to clean up, <laughs> right? Because um, yeah. that's one of the first things that happens, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're like, you finally, so you've gone through this stage of bringing people on of like constant reality checks with yourself about like, is this something that I should be doing or are there higher value things I could be doing at this moment? And then over a period of time, you start to get like, you're talking about this creative energy back that you haven't had because you have been doing all of these other little tasks. And this is really easy. It's like you talk about the bright, shiny object over Mm -hmm. here, right? Like it's really easy to like, want to do these three other amazing projects but here it is you have this team that's just now getting settled in and doing some of their best work for you so that you do have this creative energy and now you're wanting to pull them over here in another direction <laughs> so not that we have experience with this not that we have experience not at, at all. all um I almost, you know, it's a Star Trek thing, but it's like brace for impact because I know <laughs> when I get on Slack and say, so I was thinking about this this morning. Yes. And like everybody's like, there's oh. a collective groan and that happens. Like, oh no, he's been thinking, why didn't we keep him busy? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, because like whatever follows that is something that um, it's like, but we're not, we're not done here. Like, yeah. don't, don't be thinking new stuff for us to do. Yeah. Right. Um. But what do you do? Like, what do you do with that energy, though? Because you do like you've done this hard work to get that energy back. Right. And you want to keep that momentum going. So you don't want to lose it. You don't want to squander it. What do you do do with it? And you also don't want to drive your team nuts. So. Um, So part of the challenge here is that we now the business world has become flatter in teams. Right. We used to have a much more hierarchy like way of thinking about things like mm-hmm. there was the executive and then there's a the manager and then there are the technicians at the bottom. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, small, the small teams that we can actually be successful with now are much smaller and they're much flatter in the sense that we don't like to think in terms of hierarchies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is especially true in women owned business. I've, I've, I've discovered. Yeah. Right. Um, yep. Tends to be more of a circle structure than a pyramid structure. Um, and I think you need to have someone on your team that's the voice of no, and at least one person on your team that's the voice of no. And we talk about this a lot in our team meetings where there's some one person that can say, nope, we can't do that. Thank you, Shannon. Shannon, (laughs) Joe, um, Catherine, um, Ashley. When Ashley was running with us, we had Ashley, right? Um, That was was the voice of no. And so that's one thing that, that you can do because it's so easy when you've been steering the business and you've been telling everybody what to do and you've been like, you've been the central hub. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to be um, sitting there in the morning and have that great idea, right? Like you drink your coffee, you take your shower and you jump out and you've got 13 ideas that you want to work on right now. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to jump in and start telling your, your team, like, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. Right. And to have someone that's a voice of no is really, really important because okay. they can say no. And that's something you have to create an environment for that. Otherwise it can get really awkward for new teammates when they're like, Oh snap. She just said no to the boss. Right. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, um, I call the, I'll call our, our, our team leaders the crazy buffer, right? <laughs> is that um, part of their job is to absorb some of the creative chaos, right? And make sure yeah. that 
like the team doesn't get it. So Angela absorbs a lot of creative chaos, right? Um, Shannon and Jill's, you know, absorb a lot of creative chaos. Um, mm-hmm. So we can keep the rest of the team working on something and they're not like pulled and swayed by like my idea of the day. Yeah. Um, the third thing I would say is to have a not now bucket or a project parking lot, right? We have yeah. a parking lot of different places where I get to put ideas, mm-hmm. but not commit to doing them right now. Right. So yeah. they're covered. They're kind of over there in the parking lot. Cause I know if I just slide them into the bay, like think of a, like a mechanics bay, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you got cars waiting to be pre- repaired and then you got some waiting in the parking or, or like in the bays being repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some that are outside of the bays that have already been repaired and need to go back to the, to their owners. And then you have these new, these new cars just sitting there in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the parking lot serves that same thing where I'm like, no, okay, I need to put this in the parking lot mm-hmm. and talk to Joe, Shannon and Angela about this. Yeah. Before I say we're doing it this week. Yeah. Um, it's not a no. It's just a not now. It's just a not now. Yeah. Um, and we creative people hate no's. Oh, man. Like, big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, there's also something we've been practicing. You haven't seen it so much because I've been working on it with Joe, and I've worked on it with other clients as well, mm-hmm. is um, hashtag lockdown, right? <laughs> lockdown means when like you have a weekly plan of here's what you're working on that you lock it down and you can't add anything to it without talking like to like, I have to talk to Joe and normally it's like, what are you going to give up? And I never want to give up anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so lockdown just means like, okay, I've already committed to this because the team needs time yeah, to work on it. Right. Yeah. Um, now granted there's the, um, unforeseeable, urgent, and important stuff that comes up, right? That you have to be able to address to. And that's why yeah. um, it's good to leave a little bit of capacity in yes. your business, like that good 20% margin for something that's great that comes up so that you can move on it. Yeah. Right. But those are actually pretty rare, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how many ways that was, maybe four, right? Three or four. Now I'm going to back up a little bit. Because it's there's this tense balance when you're at this last stage of letting go of responsibilities and things where mm-hmm. it's hard to tell whether that thing should stay in your portfolio mm-hmm. or whether you need to give it up to somebody else. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, for instance, um, this morning I was doing some work on the website, mm-hmm. right? Now, there are certain aspects of web, of web design and web development that I have no business doing whatsoever. Yeah. Right? At the same time, what I was doing was creating new resource pages, new cornerstone pages on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, I really love doing that. Right? Love making new, like taking what we have and serving it up in a way that's useful for other people. Super fun for me to do. Yeah. Am I the only one that can do it at this time? Yeah, because I'm the only one that knows the gazillion of posts that we've posted in pages, right, to know what's kind of overlaid. Mm-hmm. Um, is it long-term my job? I don't know, right? Um, that's one of those things where it's it's one of those edge cases where um, there is no other person on the team that can go back and remember since 2007, actually, when I started writing. Mm-hmm. What are all the posts of the evolution of thought? Like things like that. Um, And it's not super clear that it should be on my plate indefinitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. I do. 
So I don't know. And I'm okay with that, right? Um, and when it comes to things like that, it's, it comes to be a matter of prioritization of, is that really, again, you have said it over again, what's my most high value activity? Is that creating high value for um, the team, for our audience? Um, and, you know, if it is, and it's displacing something that's lower value, I'm like, okay, um, it's probably all things considered, better for me to spend time doing that and just doing the core task. So I'm giving myself a high five on this one, self high five, right? Um, that I just did the core task to it. I just like, here are the categories, here are the posts, here are the pages that go in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I could work with the rest of the team and have them build out the rest of the pages, Yeah. right? So I didn't do the thing where I did the whole thing just because I needed to do a, a part of the thing. Yeah. Um, so similarly... Those new projects that we've talked about, not just adding. Sometimes you get your deep work brain back. Mm-hmm. And you see that there are new possibilities that you haven't really been able to think about. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like a bright and shiny object. But it's actually something that had you had the wherewithal and the foresight and the time to think about it, you probably would have been doing years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking about our new thing. Well, that's exactly what's coming up for me, too, because we were so we had a workshop just this past weekend um, with the Wayfinding Academy here in Portland, which if you don't know about, you should totally check out. It's amazing what they're doing with education. But Charlie was presenting on Saturday um, and we've been talking for the last week or two about this thing that I was thinking, hmm. Am I going a little bit creative crazy over here because I have this energy and focus now since we have other people on the team that are helping with things I was doing before? And is this thing that I'm pursuing passionately right now the bright, shiny object? And the workshop luckily helped me with that to think about it. Um, But then you bringing it up again just now is like that thing we're talking about, that new offer is something that we that is core to us. It's core to the work that we do in the world. And it's something that if we're being completely honest, we've wanted to put out in the world for a very, very long time. And we now have the capacity to do it. So yeah, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right that, that it opens up this creative energy. And sometimes you just have to get real with yourself about, oh, okay, is this like the whole brand new, new thing that I'm reaching out for? Or is this something that's core already? And I just haven't had the space to put it out there in the world. So as you can tell, I'm excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So part of why we're on this thread is you asked, what do you do with that excess creative energy? Mm -hmm. Right? So one thing you can do with that excess creative energy is actually... Um, and you, you're thinking about, or you saying core reminded me to talk about this, is you can look at the core of your business and mm-hmm. invest that creative energy. And it's like, how do I improve the core of the business? Yeah. How do I make new workflows and really be clear about what needs to happen, right? How do I take that product or offer, and you all know what I mean, that, <laughs> that you just kind of got out there mm-hmm. and you've been meaning to amplify it. Like you spend time doing that. So a lot of times there's not necessarily new stuff yeah. that needs to be done. It's actually making the old stuff better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was laughing because, um, you know, I was writing a post that is like, when we talk about teams, like people think bigger is better. 
Yeah. And it's not always the case. Better is better, right? So how do you make it better? Well, you can go to the core mm -hmm. of your business and look at those different workflows, those different processes, the way your team communicates, products that you have, um, customers in your back-end pipeline, right? Um, all those people that you've sold something to that you haven't followed up with, yeah. that you haven't like... The people who already love you. The people who keep the do. lights on, man, yeah. right? Yeah. And so Angela knows that I, that I'm getting pretty hot about that now that I can think about it. I'm like, there are a lot of people who've been keeping the lights on that I just have not been doing the job that I've wanted to, mm -hmm. um, to stay in touch with and to see how they're doing and to see what we can do to serve them better. Um, not just because of excess profit, because there are peeps, right? You yeah. take care of them. Yeah. Um, so those are some places that you can look for what to do with that excess energy. Mm. Um, the second thing you can do is you can take your... Um, all of those ideas that you've had about new offers, new products and services that you've been meaning to get to, you can actually, instead of just jumping into creating them, because that would be the first thing. I'm just going to jump and do all this new stuff. Don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, actually take the time to think through, like, which ones are the, you know, um, high yield, low effort ones, right? Mm -hmm. Which ones fill a hole that is currently in your, um, in your service channel or in your product channel? Um, which one are people keep like continually asking for and you keep pushing away? Yeah. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, and then the other thing you could do is create a recon into um, adjacent business communities. Right. So if you're in one particular niche or industry, you can start exploring edge industries that are right up next to yours because that's where a huge source of growth for your business could be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that creative recon will require, like, you can't pull people on that journey with you in a lot of ways. And so you might spend three to five months or three to six months just figuring out the, the way that that new, um, that new industry works or that adjacent industry works before you can do anything with it. Mm -hmm. But it's still really important that you do so. Yeah. Right? Because you're going to see the world a certain way that no one else on your team is going to see. Mm -hmm. so, um, so you can work on your core. You can work on products that are on the edge of your um, service journey or your, or your product journey. Mm -hmm. Or you can go and do some creative recon into an adjacent um, business ecosystem or industry. Yeah. Um, all without disrupting your teammates, right? Um, mm -hmm. In different ways. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge becomes, um, and I've, I've coached so many people through this process that I know what it feels like, right? You've been so used to being that creative hummingbird. You're here, you're there, you're everywhere, you're doing everything, that when you actually slow down and let the rest of the team start doing things, it feels so much slower. Mm. And mm -hmm. it feels like something is wrong because you're not running all over the place. Yeah. Right? Uh, because I, the way I like to talk about it is, you know, when you're driving on the interstate and you're going 75, 80 miles per hour and you do that, that takes its toll on you, your perceptual tone. If you're in the back seat, just minding your own business, looking up every once in a while, so on and so forth. Like your experience of going 75, 80 miles per hour is remarkably different than the person driving. Yeah. And because so many founders have been in that driver's seat for so long, when they get in the back seat, it's like they'll look up and they're like, oh, we're not going fast enough. What's going on? Like something's not right. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. it's everything's okay. Right. It's just you're not in the driver's seat anymore. Yeah. Making all of those calls, doing everything. So that's one of the first freakouts. Mm -hmm. that people have is that it's not going fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a legitimate freak out that 
the sense of urgency that you have about the strategic priorities um, is not always um, affirmed back to you or acknowledged back to you. Mm. Um, and it's not, and I'm having to go through this a lot myself right now. It's not that people aren't working on those projects. It's not that people aren't really pushing that. It's that they may or may not be telling you. Like, you get up in the morning, mm-hmm. and you see something needs to be fixed, and you're on it. You're in the driver's seat. Yeah. Right? And you see what's going on. You know why what's going on is going on. You know what needs to change, so on and so forth. So, going back to the car metaphor, like, you're making all those turns, and if someone takes another, t- if you take another turn, you know why you're doing it. But when you're in the back seat, and someone else is driving, they're taking turns differently, and they may or may not be telling you mm-hmm. why they're taking those turns. From your perspective, from your perspective, it's like, oh, they're not going where I want them to go, and we're mm-hmm. not going as fast as we're going, so on and so forth, right? Um, yeah. And so part of that is developing communication practices such that you're communicating what those urgencies and priorities are. Yeah. And the people doing the driving them, a driving of them, are acknowledging that and reflecting back to you mm-hmm. that they're working on those things. For instance, we have a client that um, the managing director um, is really focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. And the CEO has been focusing on that. That CEO, that's my client, has been focused on that. Mm -hmm. But hasn't been communicating in a way that the managing director really, that that mates up with that managing director's defense. So they've been doing all the right moves, Mm -hmm. but not communicating it as their top priority. Yeah. Right. And it's just a matter of saying, hey, like, this is this is our shared goal. Here's what really matters right now. Here are the projects that I'm doing that, that like, relate to those. Mm-hmm. And even if those projects relate to other things that aren't related, you just tie it in and say, hey, this is relating to that. So, for instance, the big thing for us right now is growth and conversion. Yeah. Right? And so, um, luckily or unluckily, depending on the way you're looking at it, right, um, I'm still involved enough to be setting those urgencies and priorities, right? Um, it's also really useful for the team to be like, oh yeah, I did that because it was like, I thought that might increase conversions. All right, great. We're on the same, we're on the same sheet of music again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas they're like, hey, I was reading about this and it seemed like an interesting idea. Right. There's plenty of interesting ideas, <laughs> right? Um, we've got this urgent situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that other thing. So as it, as it grows, the business slows down mm-hmm. from your perception as the founder because you're riding in the back seat. Yeah. But that, um, so that creates sort of that situation where you don't think the urgency is really being, yeah, being attended to, yeah, right. Does that make sense? It does. It totally makes sense. And it's, you know, what I come to with thinking about that. And obviously, we've been in the midst of it ourselves, so it's very apparent for me right now. Um, is that it's an opportune time, just the perfect time to take a step back as the founder, as a CEO, and get really clear about what the mission of your company, your business is, um, what the goals, what the priorities are, um, you know, for the for the quarter, for the year, for the for the three year outlook. And then you share that. Like you have to share that with your team. So it just seems like the perfect opportunity. And again, you know, we're in the midst of it. So I'm seeing it for, 
you know, you and I, we've been taking a step back and having these conversations about what does the, you know, what does the year to three year plan look like? And how are we sharing that with the team and letting each person on the team know how they tie into that and how they're a big part of that growth and seeing that vision through, right? Yeah. And you're right that that's the beauty of it because once you start growing your team and you're aware of how much it costs to have your teammates, mm-hmm. right? That's a time where you, I think there's a there's a quantum shift in your thinking. Yeah. Because then you think about, I'm investing money to go a certain direction in mm-hmm. this business. Mm-hmm. What's likely to give me the best return on that investment, right? And not from a just you know, like strip mining the value out of everything, but... If you could do this one thing and you're going to get 5x the return mm-hmm. and it's something that like will light you, your team and your audience up and your customers up, or you can do this other thing that's going to give you 3x, like why would you do the 3x one? Yeah. All things considered. Right. And so it has you like shift that and communicate that in a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, early stage founders and entrepreneurs that are just starting the delegation thing, a lot of the sort of setting the mission and three-year goals. Like I understand that seems like an exercise in like wishful thinking or it's not very relevant or something like that. But mm-hmm. as your business grows, the thing about it is if you're the only one that knows where things are going, mm-hmm. you're the only one that can drive it there. Yeah. And I know that sounds so obvious when it's said that way, but so many people get caught up into thinking like no one, the other people aren't driving the business forward. Well, hell, they don't know where to drive it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's your job, right, as that founder, as that, as that accidental CEO stepping into things. It's your job to start visioning and communicating those plans mm-hmm. and stepping back in ever greater degrees so that other people can do it. Yeah. Right? And if you don't, it's, it's kind of like, don't be, you know, um, um, what I was going to say. There's like lie in the bed that you're making there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what it takes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think what I've, well, I know what I've experienced with my clients is once you get to that level of remove, Mm -hmm. what really keeps people from getting there is fear. Fear in two different degrees. Mm -hmm. Fear because they have to let go of being the technician, that expert technician, and stepping into the sloppiness of being a leader, right? Where you're not the doer anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to depend on other people. You have to communicate to other people and trust those people. That's messy, sloppy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the second thing, the second fear that comes up is they're having to own that there's pieces inside of them that they haven't been doing because it's their own best work. It's their own bigger vision for who they can be in the world. That's mm-hmm. pretty scary for a lot of people at yeah. a certain level. When you realize that you can do these things that you've been dreaming mm-hmm. and you've built that business platform, you've built the capabilities in your life to do that. It can be really scary to step out and say, I'm going to do that. Yeah. As opposed to staying in the safe and comfortable, like being really good at what you're doing. Like I'm a really good operations coordinator. Mm-hmm. Like I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about this other thing? Am I good at that? Yeah. I don't know. And you know, um, we all, you know, I'll go back to, to Dan Pink's drive, right? Autonomy, mastery, purpose. Mm-hmm. The three drives um, that really motivate us. And stepping into that new layer of leadership 
pushes against that mastery core mm. because you might not be good at it. Yeah. Right. You might have to relearn a whole bunch of things. Yeah. And you might have to like really trust that your business can work without you driving every damn thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what's keeping people back at those later levels of finally letting go. Yeah. Myself included. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. So we've talked about a lot of things today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really all been all around the um, emotional journey of um, growing your team mm-hmm. and working on your business versus in your business. Yeah. Um, I want to acknowledge that some, you know, it's always like this when I, when I do podcast or when I write, sometimes I'm like, man, I sound like a really dour guy, right? Like I'm always, but it's not that Mm-mm. as much as it's like, there's so much of this that's not talked about Yeah. that I don't want people reaching those scary emotional parts mm-hmm. and being like, it's not supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be like, you know, I'm on, Ma- I'm at Maui sipping Mai Tais, right? Yeah. And life is good because I have people working for me. Yeah. It's not always like that, right? It's no. not always like that. No. And you know, so I just wanted to give space for that so that if you're starting to embrace some of those or starting to come up with some of those fears and challenges that you kind of know what's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yes. And I, I think it's also important to recognize that just like, you know, with the stages of business that you talk about too, that this this can come up again. Like even though you've grown your team and you've been through this hot, you know, the hard parts, it may be in a few years that you're growing it even more and you're expanding it even more. And so, you know, you're, it's a journey. It's an emotional journey. It's a spiritual journey. It's all of these things. And don't, you know, don't beat yourself up, really. Don't beat yourself up. Like, you're, you're pushing the edges of growth, and that's a good thing. It's yeah. a really good thing. Yeah. So... I guess here's a sort of general gauge. Every time your business doubles, either in revenue or size of team, mm-hmm. expect there to be an existential crisis. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because you're dealing with different things. And so every doubling is going to, especially mid-stage doubling, right? Yeah. Not, not early stage, because it's really easy to double from, you know, from a dollar to like a hundred dollars. That's really easy to do. Mm-hmm. But um, when you reach sort of mid-stage growth and you start seeing sensing doubling, like that happens so much so frigging often that people are like, ah, I've been through this again. It's like, no, you opened up a second store. Yeah. Right. And yep. opening up a second store is a lot different than just having one store and being really, really good at it. Right. Yeah. Now you're managing multiple managers or, you know, you're, con- you're, you're having to lead through two GMs rather than just one, like one manager that works for you and it's just a different beast. So thanks so much for bringing that up. Yeah, of course. Alrighty. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I hope this has been useful for you. If you've been thinking about starting a business and you're worried about this whole people management and growth thing, or if you're in the throes of business and you're still worried about this people management and growth thing, just know that there are sort of predictable challenges that are going to come up for you. It's not just you. And the question becomes not whether Um, The challenge is a sign of anything wrong, but just that the challenge is a growth opportunity for you to step into. All right, guys, until next time, stand tall. Oh, we got to do our our high five. On air air high high five. five. (laughs) All right, guys, till next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to the Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. 
Stand tall, creative giant.